On a very special episode of the Monthly Movie Marathon today, we asked for your questions, no matter how weird, no matter how taboo, we wanted to know your questions for everything movies on this episode of the Monthly Movie Marathon. Here we are. Yeah, if you're here, we are. Here we wow. are, indeed. Uh, welcome back to the monthly movie marathon. I am your host, Nick Labarro, along with co-host Rotten Certified Tomato Man Peter Gray. I love that you finally referred to me as co-host and not all the other weird shit that you call me through every other episode, or in real life, or in real life, well. <laughs> Just Very true. on and off the mic. Yeah. Uh, how are you today, Pete? I am fan bloody tastic. Why's that? You got a bit of a pip in your step. Um, had a great night last night. Ooh. Um, went to a real estate gala. Oh, oh! And the amount of money. <laughs> so if pe- so, if people think we're in a recession, and if people think we're in a pandemic anymore, go to a fucking real estate gala. Get into real estate where everyone's just mingling. Which is, I mean, we mingle at every event. Yeah, so sure. that's. Yeah. But this was like silent auctions. Oh, and yeah, right. People just being like, like gala, the, and being like, the starting bid is three thousand dollars, and it's like someone paid nine hundred off. Not houses, obviously. Um, well, the ultimate prize of the raffle was an Audi. Jesus fucking Christ! So yeah, but yeah, there was okay trips to the Whit Sundays, eight nights in Thailand, oh. like a mat, like. Owning a manuscript, like yeah, someone, right. pu- someone being like three months, your manuscript will be published, and you own a hundred percent of like the royalties and everything. Like Holy. it's insane. And I read that, and I was like, I had the money, I would we be bidding that. on that because that's incredible. That's amazing. You owe nothing to nobody, and you no. can just republish your book. So I'm like, Shit. the person who got that Congrats. better be a, better be a bloody good book. Better for be starters. a fucking great. Writer. Yeah. So I was just, it was just fun to be amongst. A very different scene. The uh, the upper class. The must yeah. be nice. But at the same time, it's generation. also like I was able to sort of, when they were like, oh, Pete's a movie review. And I was able to casually drop just like oh yeah, the people that I speak to. Yes. I find that is generally helpful in normal conversations yeah. of, oh, you're an interviewer. Who do you talk to? Yeah, and then you just go, well, the oh, other no, day no. it was this person. You know, it and in a few weeks' time, it'll be this person. But hey, look, but it's hey. just a little part of what I do. Yeah. It's really nothing. Um, but secretly inside, everything. every time we talk to someone famous, my heart grows two inches bigger, I think. Well, is that what happened to the Grinch though? Didn't he die? Or is his heart getting smaller? Um, I can't remember. Wow. That has nothing to do with anything of what we're talking but about. But also kind of on point for weird questions. Exactly. What a fucking segue. What an unintentional segue. Thanks Amazing. for bringing that back. You're very welcome. That's why you're the professional. Right. Yep. That's why you are the rotten certified tomato <laughs> man, Peter Gray. Thank you. Uh, as stated in the intro. I'm available all week. Here <laughs> yeah, till Thursday. Yeah. Try the veal. <laughs> uh, we asked for your questions. We had a little bit of a gap between movie releases, between mm. Jurassic World Dominion, our last episode, Oof. and 
the black phone our next episode. If it wasn't incredibly obvious that yes. we had seen Dominion in that last episode, because we, we never spoke about Jurassic World Dominion, like when we no. mentioned it, we never spoke about it in like a review terminology. But we also weren't, we never spoke about it in like an enthusiastic manner. No, that's very true. Because we had seen it. We, we just couldn't say we'd seen it. But if you read between the lines, it was kind of obvious that, that we, we had seen it. And, and we mean, weren't the biggest fans we of that like film. It. So now but we can you, officially say yeah. did not like it. But also, that doesn't seem to matter because it's just made $142 million in its opening weekend in the States. And it's got an A-minus cinema score. Uh, so, so clearly it doesn't matter. It. But at the same time, everybody I'm speaking to hasn't liked yeah. it. So wherever these A-minus people are, show yourself. Yeah. Because I haven't seen anybody that said it's... Release the papers, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, release, yeah. the, release the, the votes. I want the receipts. I want the fucking receipts. Uh, and then for the next episode, The Black Phone, we can say we have seen it already. We have. Uh, and I really fucking liked it. Oh, In fact, it's in my top 10 of the year so far. It's, so pretty, it's pretty bloody great. It's very good. So for that next episode, obviously, we're going to watch Scott Derrickson's horror films for The Black Phone. Probably even talk about The Black Phone a little bit. Yeah. Um, because it does have a delayed release in Australia. It has, yes. It, by the time this drops, it'll be out in the US. Yes. It's already out. And yes. then, but it will be before the Australian release date yes. of July 21, I believe. Yes, it is. Anywho. In the interim, we asked for your <laughs> questions. Pete and I love having conversations about, for lack of a better phrase, weird shit. We do. We don't mind. We're very open people. Uh, Probably a little bit too open. Very open. But no, you know what? It's a sign of trust. It is a sign of trust. It's a sign of trust that we can have frank, open conversations about things that make you horny. Yeah. You know what? Especially in the cinematic world. <laughs> well, I mean, we should point that out in the cinematic world, but I also think Nick probably knows what <laughs> I I makes me incredibly horny. I think I know a lot about your fetishes and kinks. Uh, but hey, different podcast. Let's Another find, time. Let's find out what makes you horny in the world of cinema, but not just what makes us horny. All taboo questions about, you know, what things we should be showing in movies, what we shouldn't be showing in movies, you know violence, drugs, sex, the whole nine yards. But we asked for some of your questions uh, on Instagram. We had a few questions of our own that we came back and forth. We've got our special guest, Gigi, here. Hello, darling. Great for an audio podcast. They can't see me patting the dog next <laughs> this to me. Beautiful this beautiful little French, French bulldog. bulldog. Beautiful. Uh, and questions that are somewhat inspired by, as I said in the last episode, uh, Films to be Buried With mm-hmm. by Brett Goldstein, a podcast that I love. So, obviously, credit to him. Yes, shout uh, out for Brett those, Goldstein. For, those, uh, for the questions that we may use in that regard. but Because he's waiting for our validation. Oh, 100%. And I'm not going to get slammed by a lawsuit from Roy Kent. Right. Uh, so, full credit. <laughs> shout out to Brett Goldstein. <laughs> but actually, love your podcast and can't wait to come back. He's on a hiatus at the moment. Uh, he's taking a month off. Because they're fair. writing Ted Lasso season three. Ah, oh, I know, right? Imagine and doing a great podcast and then taking a break to write a great TV oh, show. The nerve. Fucking hell. Uh, but you know what? Let's let's crack into it. Let's All get right. straight into it. Fuck it. Why not? Let's rip the Band-Aid off. Um, let's go for this first question. Let's start nice. Let's go uh, our cinematic history. Mm-hmm. Pete, what was the first film you remember seeing? The first film I remember seeing. <sighs> um, you know what? I It's probably going to be a... It'll be like a um, pretty obvious response yep. but yeah the first film that i remember seeing and i think because it just imprinted on me the way that it did mm. is batman returns ah yes and i mean kind of great that it's happening at this point because we've had we've got the 30 year anniversary, anniversary yes. of that film which means i was 
Around seven when I first saw that okay. film. Yeah. Which is probably a little bit too young to see that no. Batman movie. And it's an impressionable age yeah. as well, for sure. Um, it clearly left, you know, enough of an imprint on me. I thought you were pointing at your shirt for a second. I was like, is that Michelle Five? No, no, it's, Michelle it's Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Lohan. Saying, Lindsay Lohan. Saying trust no bitch underneath it. But you do have a Michelle Five. I do have a Michelle Five shirt. Um, but yeah, that was I, that's really the first film that I remember, like, actually... Going to the cinema to see it. Yeah. Um, I obviously saw movies prior to that. Yeah. Absolutely. I know that I did. Yes. Mum has told me that I have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I remember seeing that and just I, – I was genuinely just enamoured with her performance and then that set me on to going to find all of these other films she yeah. had been in. Um and but I just remember like the hoopla around that movie, like the the McDonald's Happy Meals that were coming with like Batman masks and Catwoman yeah, right. masks and Batman masks. Weird that you you kind of say like you were probably too young to see it. Yet the marketing in a Happy Meal is for Batman. Yeah, <laughs> but that also caused its own problems because because eventually parents were like, you shouldn't be marketing Happy Meals with this incredibly dark psychosexual yes. Batman movie. So it sort of then. They you know like shot themselves they reneged the on that. Bit, yeah. Um but yes, I I will defend that movie until my dying day. I like that it's starting to sort of have this new appreciation. Like people yeah, are sort of watching sure. now going, Oh wow, this was like really crazy and super fucked up and so bold in considering when it came out and how they just then neutered Batman afterwards. Oh god, yeah. With <laughs> bat nipples and Batman credit cards and just the weirdest shit Never for those movies. Without. And then, you know, we obviously got back to gritty Batman with the Nolan trilogy, yeah. even grittier Batman with the Batman. Yeah. Um, but I I just implore everybody to watch Batman Returns and remember it's a 90s movie. Oh, God, yeah. Um, but... I defy anybody to tell me that Michelle Pfeiffer's performance isn't one of the greatest performances in cinematic history. I would have to agree with you. Like it's it's a it's in the just, film she's in the character she's playing it's, it's basically a, perfection. It's yeah, it's insane. Um, so yes. that yeah, that's that's that would be the first movie that I truly remember going mm. to see. Yeah, there we go. What about yourself, Nick? Oh, Pete, when I was a young man. <laughs> <laughs> when you were a young man, I was not. <laughs> when I was a young man and still am a young man. Well, the first movie I was told I saw in a cinema right. was actually, funnily enough, Batman Forever. Right. So, so I, my parents took me to the cinema, to uh, not me to see it, but as much as I hate it, they took a baby to the cinema. Like, I'm, I'm definitely not a fan of that. Because right. I was born in 95, so I would have been a very... I would have been, like... You would have been, like, fresh. Yeah, fresh like out of the sw- room. Like, swaddled. I would have been, like, popped out straight into the foyer of the cinema <laughs> to see Batman forever. Um, obviously, I don't remember Just that. Just a casual pop out. Just a ca- <laughs> Mom's like, oh, I'm not fucking missing Batman forever. <laughs> we'll get birth here. <laughs> I love Jim Carrey. Uh, but the first movie I remember seeing... And it's similar to you. I obviously watched movies before this, yes. but I remember being in a sold-out session at Hawthorne Cinema with my grandparents to see Shrek. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember it oh. so vividly as well that- I just realized how odd I was when Shrek came. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have been- What was that, 2001? So uh-huh. I was six. 
Ah, that would have been uh, 16. <laughs> no, yeah, you know. So I, yeah, I remember Shrek. I remember Shrek yeah. real well. Yeah. Uh, less so, I less so remember the movie, but I remember the Usher coming in, sold out cinema, and they were like, there are already people, your movie hasn't started yet, and there are already people queuing for the next session. Wow. So you're going to have to leave through the fire exit at the end of the movie. I remember the opening with the fairy tale book, and I obviously yeah. remember loving the film. Yeah. So it was like that sort of cinematic experience that was very impressionable to me. But that was yeah. the first movie I, I really remember yeah. seeing, and I remember loving it immensely. Yeah. I will say, I think, I think um, one of the first, I, I feel like it was something like Bambi. Right. That was the first thing that mum really took, took me you to, to. see. Um, she's, she's told me stories that, like, she took me to, like, French movies. Yeah. And she just remembers, like, me and my brother walking out going, asking her, like, what was that about? Right. Because yeah. she was obviously like, oh, I, I'm, I want to see this French subtitled movie. Yeah. I'll just take my two kids because they'll sit there and watch yeah, it. for sure, yeah. But not really. Not really take not it really in and, and understand what's going on. I'll yeah. clarify I can read. <laughs> <laughs> I watch movies. I yeah. don't read. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I th- I'm pretty sure it was like something like like Bambi was the first thing. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to a, a question from one of our listeners, one of our fans. Hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. Uh, Hello, fan. This is more of a broad asking us to talk about this uh, subject or review it. Yeah. Our friend Hagen. Right, yes. Wants us to know, or wants us to review John Water movies, what we think of John Water's films. Wow, okay. I'm going to jump out the gate on this one and say I've only seen A Dirty Shame Mm -hmm. and Pink Flamingos. Right. So I'm not, unless I have seen other ones that I'm unaware of his filmography. Yeah. Those are the only two. However, I had an affinity, like I was the perfect age when A Dirty Shame came out. (laughs) I'm like a pubescent boy who's like, "Mm, yeah, this dirty, sexy movie. it's rated R and Selma Blair's got huge tits. Exactly. And I had Johnny Knoxville, Knoxville. a massive jackass fan as well. So I just remember watching it trying to be like, oh yeah, this is going to be a sexy movie and didn't really think it was a sexy, sexy movie. Like not in a bad way, but more so in the sense of- it's 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 like being satirical of sexual comedy. Yeah, like it was. It, yeah, it was never really designed to be a movie to like. No. Turn people on. No. no. And then I felt obviously the same with Pink Flamingos. Right. It's yes. Exploitation. Yes. Um. So I think I think I have a. I think I have an affinity for them. Yeah. Rather than an enjoy. Like, I'm not dying to go back and watch John Waters' films. However, I can't deny the impact he's had on cult cinema. Oh, absolutely. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just having a look through some of his filmography. Like, I want to watch Cecil B. Demented. Yep. I haven't. I feel like I really don't want to watch that. Uh, I haven't seen Cry Baby. I haven't seen the original Hairspray. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of his, uh, his films. So, yeah. that's my take on John Waters. Um, yeah. So, I... I, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of John Waters films either, but I've seen so I've seen Pink Flamingos, which leaves which leaves a mark on you. Oh God, yeah. Um, if you For don't, if you don't know. know, so it stars um, Div- uh, Divine, Divine, yeah. who's this very famous drag queen, um, and she just had a very particular aesthetic. Oh God, yeah. she wasn't particularly. You would say traditionally attractive. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. it was kind of one of those things where you couldn't help but, like, yes. be drawn to her. There, there was, um, yeah, I know what you mean. And, I mean, the one thing that comes about from Pink Flamingos is the fact that she eats dog shit. Yeah. And Closes out the movie by and eating literal. Le- legitimately ate dog shit yeah. on screen. Yeah. Um, so, I've seen that film. I have seen, I've seen the original Hairspray. Yep. Which is 
completely far removed from the the remake, the remake and like the stage, the Broadway show. That right. Okay. Came yeah, from yeah. It. So I think a lot of people think, oh, it was a Broadway musical. They made a movie in 2007 with this incredible Zac cast. Efron Jack, and Zac Efron, John Travolta, Travolta Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer, everybody. It was originally a 1988 film by John Waters that was not particularly musical. Right. Um, and, and it's kind of weird to think that it birthed this, like, phenomenon. Yeah. Um, I've seen a film he did in 1981 called Polyester. Okay. Um, which is... It's bizarre, but it's it was really it was really quite funny, and I think if you understand his dynamic and the fact that he goes for camp, yeah, it's a lot easier to watch because because yep. uh, Divine's character in that is she's kind of insufferable, yeah, for sure. Um, but it works because it's going for that campy. It's, it's like, campy, but the movie itself is seems per- uh, purposefully yeah. trying to be a degenerate movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yo, yeah, he's not making, like, high art movies. No, He's like, no. I'm making trash, but I know that it's trash. Yes, for so sure. it's different if someone was like, I made this amazing movie and everyone's yeah. like, it was a piece of shit. He's like, oh, I'm making a piece of shit. And you were and, going, and and you you're were going like, to watch you're it. You're going to watch it. I'm going it. to make it so trashy that you can't look away. Yeah. Um, it's and a I, skill, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've also seen um, Serial Mom. Okay. With yeah, yeah. Kathleen Turner. Um, that's a it's an interesting interesting film. Interesting little movie. And I it's not a film of his, but one of the greatest things that I love about John Waters is he does a cameo in um, Seed of Chucky. Oh he does too, yeah. Um and I think that movie is so underrated in its own way. I think the whole Charles Play series is is underrated in the sense that I think it's very misconstrued. I think people think it's supposed to be this straightforward horror film, and they're full on comedies. They are comedies. They yeah. they are genuinely comedies. I mean, the first Charles Play is probably the most horror horror, horror. Yeah. Um, and then Charles Play. You know, Charles Play Two sort of amps it up. Charles yeah. Play Three amps it they up. Become these real camp yeah. comedies. Bride yeah. of Chucky then just made it like you just go, oh, that is fully a comedy. And then Seed of Chucky. Chucky just went like the extra mile. And now they've, I think there's like eight films now. Yeah, there's something like, like that. Yeah, it's like the TV series. Oh, that's for half the show. Yeah. But yeah, so I, yeah, I. It's like John Waters isn't someone that I would say I'm like, oh my god, massive fan. I have to see everything right. he does. But yeah, yeah. when you see a John Waters film. You know you're seeing something unlike anything else. Yeah, and I think very unique. That's his. That's his. Like his his strength as a as a filmmaker. Yeah. that he knows exactly what he wants to do. Yeah, and regardless if you don't like it or you love it, <laughs> you have an opinion about. You have it. an a re, you have a reaction yeah. to it. There's there's definitely no a straight down the middle. Yeah. reaction to. But John I, I remember movies. being the same. Like seeing the poster for a Dirty Shame. Yeah, and thinking, oh my god, like this is gonna probably gonna be like. Super filthy and and, right. and, and yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. like a filthy narrative. Oh god, yeah, but it's it's not on the level of other films no. that are marketed as pure sex comedies yeah. or pure sex satires. Yeah, um, I would recommend, especially if you are an up and coming filmmaker, like you're in that stage where you're making amateur films and smaller films and stuff, to go and watch his stuff. Oh yeah, because yeah. That's oh he's he's someone who he's the king who, of low budget cinema. Yeah, he's he's someone who knows how to utilize a low budget. Oh shit, yeah, yeah. Alrighty. Next question actually comes from my sister. Uh, bless you. <laughs> Thanks, Sophie. I know she wants a shout out on the podcast. Shout so. out to Self Self. Shout out I've Sophie. never called her that before. No, but hey, <laughs> but I, think, I think she'll love it. I think she'll love it. Yeah. Uh, she wants this. She wants our thoughts on the new Hunger Game movie. 
coming out, Hunger Games movie coming out next oh. year. And she wants to know if she can come on the podcast to talk about it. Um, um, we'll see. We're pretty heavily booked out. I, I can say that because you're my sister. Um, I honestly don't have a big opinion about it. Um, <laughs> I, I like the series. I think the first film and particularly the second film yep. are great movies. Yep. The third and fourth... I don't think they needed to be split into two films. I'm in this exact same book. Um, I, like you, they were so split up for money reasons for yeah. just making bulk cash. Um, because the first film was very much the first film in that the last two Part was one, very yeah. much just like dialogue. Oh god, yeah. leading up boring, to so leading yeah. up to the action of the last film. I remember sitting in the cinema before a midnight screening of it because at the time I was dating someone who liked Hunger Games a lot and she wanted to go. And just as the it's movie, it's bizarre to me to think you dated someone before Re. I know, but it's because we've been together forever. So, uh, and she's the one together Aww. forever, forever. Um, and just before the trailers started for the midnight screening, I looked at the cinema, the Metacritic score, and I was at like forty-eight, and I went. <sighs> Fuck. Yeah. Like, I already don't love the Hunger Games, and now I've got to sit here for that. And obviously, relationship didn't last too long after that. Uh, <laughs> not just because I, of the I Hunger blame Games. you, Hunger Games. Um, um, I'm not... Ne- yeah, I'm, I don't have much of an opinion yet. I know is, Sophie loves the Hunger Games and, so much, yeah, but and I, I, like, I don't I'm, really care. And I'm also not having... Not having opinion doesn't mean I'm vehemently against no, it. No, no. I will watch it when it I'll comes out. I'll watch it. And if it's good, I'll be very... Very and, pleased. like, you know what? Rachel Ziegler's in it. It'll That's be, true. It'll be great yeah. to see her in something outside of West Side Story. Very because true. I don't also have much of an opinion of her because West Side Story was very okay. specific. Yeah, and it was fine. Um, so, yeah, i really sorry, Sophie, that we can't <laughs> elaborate, like, more. elaborate more. But it's just a film. I think because also... We haven't seen, like, there's no set photos. We don't know. I haven't read the book. We don't, like, we just, that is there's not on. really, yeah. So um, I have nothing to go off except yeah. for the fact that it's another YA we're just, novel adaptation. We're, I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised it's being made, in all honesty. Yeah, okay. Because the Hunger Games, like, the whole... If the, the zeitgeist whole, of the Hunger Games feels yeah, over. The whole young adult craze in adapting every yeah, single series yeah. feels like it's done. Yes. Except... Um, Four, what's it called again? Ever after happy? All oh, right, happy ever ha- happy. Yeah, uh, ever after happy. Ever after happy. I can't remember fucking. It's but I'm worst. excited for that. It's the only one I'm excited yeah. for. And then we're excited <laughs> that we're excited for that for probably <laughs> very, different very different reasons. reasons. <laughs> um. So, so yeah, it's just it's it's a film that's coming out that I'm sure maybe when you know when a trailer drops I might be like oh shit okay right yeah um but yeah right now I don't have. Very many, very many opinions on, opinions on that. Yeah, let's jump into another listener question that is potentially a little, little bit more of a serious topic, mm-hmm. uh, and not serious as in it's it's a dark topic, but it's it's an interesting one. Uh, Chris Poole uh, writes in and says, "Should producers adapt films to cultural preferences?" And he gives an example: Should we have the Taiwanese flag in Top Gun Maverick? That's all I've got for that there. But I think the main point is producers should produce adapt films to cultural preferences. Should, when they're released to different regions, should there be elements of it added that will be more uh, not accepted, but, you know, culturally appropriate. Aware of the uh, yeah, cultural appropriations, yeah. Wow. Interesting. It's actually um, a very interesting topic because yeah. I think my, to use an, an example outside Top Gun, 
the most recent controversy being Lightyear mm-hmm. being banned in like 14 countries because of uh, a same-sex kiss, right? Which <sighs> seems ridiculous in the Western world. Especially because the same-sex kiss in the film is literally like a peck. It's a peck between, in a montage. Between animated characters. Exactly. Yes. So it, it's interesting. I think I think I think it's kind of already happening. Mm. I think we do see it uh, I think there are elements of movies. I don't think movies are necessarily changed in post-production to adapt to cultural preferences. Yeah. But you look at things like the Transformers, the later Transformers movies mm. that were predominantly filmed in China yeah. to boast to a Chinese audience when they look and they're like, oh, wow, look at this big Hollywood movie that's been filmed in our country. Yeah. So I think producers are already thinking of it, but not for the right reasons. I think that's, I think that's mainly where it lies is that there's certain... Um, like the, one of the films that I'm thinking of is um, like Skyscraper. Yes, yeah, you know, for sure. Which, That's a yeah, which good call. was filmed. Um, that, uh, in, it's like an unopened new tower in um, in it was in Asia somewhere. Yeah. I can't remember. But it's like it, apart from like apart from Dwayne Johnson and Nev Campbell as the two yep. leads. Yep, that's a predominantly Asian cast. Yes. Um, yep. And I think a lot of the times, like, you know, being really like if a movie because China the Chinese market is massive. Yeah, like movies, sure. like. They need the American market, yep, and the Chinese market is pretty much like second to that, yeah, for and sure. And it's one of the biggest box office markets. I think world. a lot of the times, some movies go, you know what, we'll hire Chinese actors yep. and put them in a scene, yeah, because that means our film is almost guaranteed to get released in to China. Made, yep. And sometimes, the scene involving that actor doesn't necessarily add. A lot to it, like no. skyscraper. Yes, because that's where it's set. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of my main things is one of the one of the Mission Impossible films. I think it was oh, maybe it was Rogue Nation. Yeah, but there was a Chinese. I think she was Chinese. Please don't hate me if you. Yeah, not. yeah. No, no. no. This um, is what the whole episode's yeah. for. To air um, all this. Out. I think she's a Chinese actress, and she has quite a pr- a prominent billing. Yes, and she yeah, literally yeah, yeah. has like two minutes of screen time. Yeah, yeah. But it was kind of like I remember but seeing in her country. She's a huge, she's a she's huge like the star. Tom Cruise level of yeah, stardom. and yeah, I yeah. remember them being like such and such. Like yeah. she's she signed on to the new Mission Impossible movie. There were like stills of her in in stuff, in, and yeah. maybe she had filmed a lot more sequences. Yeah, for but sure. the final product, she's a blip. Yeah, and I think that's you know that's uh, that's them going. This will get us the Chinese market. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a lot of it's being done for the right reasons. No, it's it's because it very much seems like we just money. Want, we just want business. our movie to make money. Yeah, yeah. and um, how how can we do that too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for Chris's question, like I think as it is, Chris. Yes, right? yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, like I think it would be it would be great if films catered themselves to the country they were being released yeah. in. But that's a very, that, again, that's a very expensive thing to do yeah. to change certain things in films to go with the country it gets released in. Right. Like the only thing yeah. I can think of that gets away with it is um, uh, I think it was Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah. When he's um, Anthony Mackie's character gives him like a list of all the things you need he to catch should up be, on. Yeah, should be done. And yeah. in the Australian release, Tim Tams is on the list. Right. Yeah. 
Tim Tams is not a chocolate it's no. anywhere else in the world people know Except about. Australia, Except Australia. Yeah. People that have Tim Tams from other countries go, oh my God, this biscuit is the greatest thing ever. Right, yeah. But that was that that was something that was kind of put in for like our benefit. Right. You know, but you can't do that for every, every single, single film. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've just quickly Googled what Chris meant because I was a bit ignorant to the situation. Yeah. But I'm really hoping my answer hasn't just been like... No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so in, in the trailer for the film... Tom Cruise's jacket had a Taiwanese flag yep. on it yeah, yeah. and it was removed for the Chinese release. Right. Okay. So, or it was removed in general and a lot of people believe it's because it wanted to make a lot of money in China. So the producers yeah. made a active decision yeah. to remove the Taiwanese flag to make more, to not outrage China, yeah. which is obviously such a delicate subject if outside of film. There's also, uh, there'd be a lot of political reasons oh, behind it. Oh, God, yeah. We are, we are in a very... So We're in yeah. a very delicate situation globally. Yeah, that I yeah. don't think we want to piss off the wrong people. No, no, not at all. But uh, yeah, I and think it's interesting. Is, should yeah. should producers then adapt their films for that? It's kind of like, <sighs> honestly, no. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would make things so much worse. Yeah. If they change things like that, is is Top Gun Maverick the vehicle you want taking a stand in a political situation? Yeah. But then it go comes back to the argument. How do we separate art and media from those situations when we can also use them as a tool? Yeah. So it's the most convoluted gray area that I don't feel like I'm trying to tiptoe around. No. But I also don't have the answer. Yeah. In that regard. And like, I think there's I'm, I'm dumb. Like I watch movies for a living. So we're gonna be we're gonna be Sweden in this situation. <laughs> because Neutral. because yeah. there are absolute pros to what mm-hmm. he's asking and there are absolute yep. cons. Absolutely. And this could be this could be a conversation all on its own. <laughs> on a one podcast. Like that's, Absolutely. Yeah, like that's an amazing question. Yeah. Oh god. I'm yeah. sorry that we haven't got particularly a given you a great answer. answer. Because I can see exactly where he's coming from. For sure, for sure. And yeah, it would be great if movie like if producers like had a backbone and were like, nah, yeah, we're keeping this because that's what we believe in, because it's what we did for the film. Yeah. But mon- unfortunately, money talks. Yeah. Um, in a situation right now, movies need to make... Movies need to make cash. Need to make money. And Absolutely. It's, and it's, you know what? It's working for Maverick. It is, yeah. I mean, just crossed 800 million worldwide, so <laughs> it could be a billion-dollar movie. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, next question comes from Bruce Bannister. Hey! hey. A publication, Pete. Has written for yes. Um, two questions here. The first one is: Do we think baddies and creepy actor roles get paid more? So I'm going to break this down into two ways. Okay. Is the character they're playing justify more money, or are actors who are shit people getting paid more because they're shit people? Let's say our <laughs> Kevin Spacey's, our you know, using their influence and power in Hollywood by being notoriously fucked up people, get them more money in the sense of no one's going to fuck with them because of their power and status. So let's go on the first one first. I'm, I'm breaking this in two. Jesus. I think villainous roles are some of the most exciting roles in cinema. Mm-hmm. And for me, they can make or break a movie. I feel like especially yep. when it's a good versus evil scenario, even if it's outside of like superhero movies, yeah. the villain makes or breaks it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Biggest example, look at Thor The Dark World. Oh, no, actually even better. Look at Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yes. Kurt Russell's pretty fucking memorable in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. He is. Even though the film is not as good as the first one. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. But the villain, Lee Pace, who I don't even remember the character's name, 
pretty average. Villain. Yeah, yeah. So Kurt Russell, not even out, outside of like Kurt Russell versus Lee Pace. It's how much I get in that character. I, I I think villains make big impacts on films and should be paid accordingly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think I I think it really comes down. I don't think if you're if you've signed onto a film, I don't necessarily think you should get paid more if you've got. The villain, the, the role. villain role, yeah. I mean, alt, um, unfortunately, it does come down. It comes down to status, status for sure. Which um, I guess bleeds into the next question. Because, then, yeah. like, okay, like look at, okay, I'm gonna look at Gone Girl. Yep. Because um, Rosamund Pike is arguably the villain, the villain of, of that, that film. story. Yep. You could you could also say Ben Affleck kind of is as well. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, depending yeah. on who you look at, but they're both but shit people. from like <laughs> a you know just uh, surface level. Yep. Ben Affleck is kind of the is. The weaker character, Rosamund Pike, is the villain. Yep. But, and as much as Rosamund Pike dominates that film, yep. and I'm hoping she was paid very well, well Yes, she gets the Oscar nomination. When yep. you think of Gone Girl, you think of Rosamund Pike. God, yeah. Fuck but yeah. at the same time, like, it's hard because I'm like, I'd obviously like... You want women to be paid the same amount as men. Yes. Yep. But in that situation... Ben Affleck is the star. A huge star. He's a name. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it really comes down to who you are. Yep. Also, your previous your previous box office clout. Yeah. As well. Fair. Yeah, for sure. You know? Um, like, it's... Well, I mean, a, a recent example of that, just that argument in general, was Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Don't Look Up. Yeah. Leo getting paid significantly more than Jennifer Lawrence, even yeah. though they were arguably dual lead roles. Yeah. And Jennifer Lawrence comes out and she goes... Yeah, but that's Leonardo Dica- fucking DiCaprio. Yeah. Like, he has done so much more in cinema than I have. Yeah. He has made so much more money in cinema than I have. It makes sense that he has paid more because he would be more of a draw to the film than I. Yeah. And also, in that situation, like, Jennifer Lawrence, like, she had, there was a, she hadn't had a film in a very long time. In a long time, yep. And, a, like, yeah, okay, she's got three, like, she's got three Oscar nominations to her name. She's got yep. an Oscar. She was able to renegotiate contracts for Hunger Games yeah. as well to be with the highest paid yeah. female actor of whatever year that but came out. Yeah, yeah. You look at it and go, she had it. There was that brilliant, like there was a brilliant run for her. Yeah. But then sure. before Don't Look Up, the few films she did star in, Mother and Red Sparrow, both underperformed. Yep. Yep. So unfortunately, studios look at that and go, "You're Jennifer Lawrence, sure. People love you. You have an Oscar. Yep. You're 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 a name star. But also, your name didn't bring." In people to Mother and Red Sparrow. Yeah, for sure. Those were also two projects that, like, <laughs> were never going to be universally yeah, no, beloved. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but the very niche movies. They yeah. had the best chance of them making money was Jennifer Lawrence's name for sure. Yep. Um, but I but I agree with her in that in that it's like it's Leonardo DiCaprio. Hmm? Like it it really comes down to status. Yeah, and. Um, I just and yeah, the villains tend to make make or break films, and you usually remember them so much yep. more. But if you're say you're Leonardo DiCaprio and you're the hero in your story, and you, the actor that is coming in playing the villain mm. is someone we've never heard of before, yeah, then they get paid accordingly because they haven't proven themselves. Yeah, maybe this is the role that then steps them up to million dollar roles. Yeah, but I just—it really comes down to to status, and unfor- and sometimes that's unfortunate yes, because there are sure. actors that I don't amazing think and I, brilliant, but, yeah. but I don't, and some there are some actors who go, I don't think you're worth what they're paying you. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. 
if you've got a history of most of your films do well yeah. and people like you, you're going to get more money. You're going to get that cash, which yeah. sort of bleeds into the, the next part of that question is when we look back at, especially after the Me Too movement or even just before it, mm. these actors who were so prolific, had a lot of stakes in Hollywood themselves, were earning so much money, even though it seemed like it was an industry that knew what was going on. I mean, like Weinstein, that, yeah, that seemed to go. be kind of Such known. common knowledge. Um, the worst kept secret yeah. in Hollywood. Family Family Guy made a joke about Kevin Spacey before. Yes, yeah, yeah. Before, before Kevin Spacey, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, it, um, yeah. I, so sort of utilizing. So like, I'm, I'm. Uh, this may not be the question, but this is sort of the tangent I'm going on in yeah. the sense of. I think a lot of people forget as well that abusive power leads to that more cash as well. Yeah. That that they utilize the fact that they're probably doing bad shit or they know people who have done bad shit to earn more cash. Yeah. I well. mean, I I can only And that doesn't happen just in Hollywood. No, no, no. That's just oh, the world. Well, yeah, like I, you know, I've I'm not saying I've been in I've been in the same situation at all. No. But I've been in situations where I have seen that abuse of power. Yeah, for sure. I I have been manipulated and emotionally abused by people yep. in higher up positions. And you, as an outsider, you sort of just go, well, why didn't you say this? And why didn't you say that? And why didn't you report it? Blah, blah, blah. You go, when you're in it, completely different. And if For you're sure. like, okay, I know that say you say, okay, yeah, Harvey Weinstein is assaulting women. Mm-hmm. But if you also go, if I say something, and I get blacklisted, which is what he did to multiple actresses. Yes. They then go, I then aren't able to... I lose. Oh, yeah. Like, I, 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 I'm not able I to work. everything. Yeah. So, it's it's horrible that yeah. that's what had to happen. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I think people just... They're in, they're in such a top position of power and they're aware of the... The, of the, the influence of their that influence they have. Yeah, yeah. That they sort of think they're untouchable. Yeah, and we, and it's great that Weinstein and Spacey and people like that came crashing down. Yeah, absolutely. But you it, look at the damage it caused. Like, yeah, for sure. You know? And and while people may think they probably have a bit more of their finger on the pulse now, mm. it doesn't mean it's not happening in other facets. No. And so I think I don't think everyone in Hollywood's bad. I don't no. think everyone in corporate business is bad. No. But you got to take a step back sometimes and realize that these are also people. Yeah. And people can be shit. And yeah, unfortunate. Unfortunately, yeah, horrible people. Yep, for sure. Tend to do better yep. because they know how to talk. Like they they know how to talk to people. They know they know how, they to, know, they know they know how, how to manipulate. They know how to yeah. and they know how to like intimidate. Yeah, for sure. And it's really really shit that you know you sort of think oh being just being nice for sure won't get you anywhere. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Deep. Deep. Well, let's let's continue the train of like let's let's quit slowly edge our way out of deepness, but let's stay in the realm of scares. Right. What is the film that scared you the most? Scared me the most. Mm. <laughs> it's it's so great to have silence on the podcast. <laughs> um, the film Deep that scared thought. me the most is honestly well okay few few 
One film that I remember seeing in cinemas and actually like curling up in my seat and yep. just being on the edge, uh, The Descent. Ooh, that's a good one. Like that movie made me claustrophobic. It made me. That in the cinema, it was yeah. like claustrophobic. It made me anxious. It had it knew it utilized silence so well. It, it utilized it, darkness very. It was well. that movie. I remember sitting in the cinema with my mate, and it was a very empty cinema. I'm so glad I saw it in the cinema. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were genuinely like, like just yeah. holy shit, this is scary. This is yeah. Um, and then apart from that, I remember, and even though like you watch um, Scream the original scream now and it's not as scary. Yeah, yeah. But I remember as a 12 year old seeing it and being kind of unnerved because like it, because it, it yeah, was yeah. just like two teenagers who were just Yeah, yeah, they're so unhinged. Yeah, yeah, and were um, willing to and, just do whatever it took and, to kill people. Yeah. Um so I kind of remember like the more so like the beginning of scream is still hands down one of the scariest sequences. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I just remember the ending of Scream when like everything's revealed and they're just so like they're just so open and like you can just see how crazy and brutally minded they are. Yeah. And I think that's quite terrifying. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, those those are the two movies that sort of immediately come to mind and then another Another movie that I, I don't necessarily say it scared me. I just remember watching it going, I'm so, so just grossed out. Yeah. Is a movie called Terrifier. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. That movie that made, that made me physically sick. That movie is gross, yeah. Like, it's so disgusting. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. That, those those are the ones yeah. that, that... Those are the first ones that, <laughs> that come to mind. Because we should say, I haven't, I haven't, like... Prepa- I, we haven't prepared I, I, any I don't know these. I don't really know these questions. We wrote down. We wrote down a couple of questions. But we I took ha- your yeah. questions. But we're, we we're on I, the cut off the yeah, cuff. Here. Like I haven't gone. Okay, this question's going to be asked. What am I going to research and about? It's good it? because I feel like it, it's more raw, authentic yeah. answers as well. Yeah. We're not. We don't have time yeah. to think about. Because I might go back say. and go. Oh, fuck that movie scared me more. But yeah. but for now. But those are the ones that immediately come to come mind. to your head. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I probably the most fearsome experience I've had in the cinema was Hereditary. Okay. Yeah. But not necessarily in the sense that I was scared throughout it. Mm. Just the level of dour tension yeah, yeah, throughout yeah. the movie was had me on edge. Like I remember just being really uncomfortable watching the movie, and I love it. Like Hereditary is possibly my favorite horror movie of all yeah, time. Okay. Possibly. Oh, I just remembered something else. <laughs> and I remember being in the cinema, and obviously the whole last act of that film is terrifying. <laughs> but you know. Tony Collette and and grieving the death of her daughter was Ooh. also scary to me because it was horrifying. Oh it was, yeah, it was. And, and I think it's about such like a visceral performance. I think about the beginning of Midsummer and Florence Pugh. Oh god, yeah, mourning the death of her family and those really and the really horrific murder suicide. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ari Aster. Yeah, fuck. And now he's doing <laughs> a, a two, like a three hour, a three hour comedy with fucking Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Um, all for it though. All for it. <laughs> fucking all for it. Uh, so yeah, hereditary for me, right, is the other one. I did have another one, but you go, you go yours because when you just mentioned about um, like tension and yes. all that sort of stuff, the, I just thought of compliance. Oh god, yes, yeah, and just how unnerving yeah. it is to watch that. To go like if if you haven't seen compliance. It's a great, it's a great fucking movie. like small budget, low stakes in a in one room movie. Yeah, like oh. the like the gen the general idea is that um, 
this person is, has has rung up a um it's a fast food place, fast it's like food a place. yeah he's ringing up saying complaining about a worker complaining about a worker and that you know you need and tells the manager the manager takes her aside and this guy's just talking on the phone with the manager and basically is just saying tells her to do all of these things it's to ultimately this torture torture yeah. via telephone yeah. but and you yeah. never see the person that she's talking to no, and and horrific. then when they then when they talk to her about it they're like why didn't you ask this and why yeah. didn't and she's just like i we don't know. Yeah. And you get so, like, you get so angry at, um, it's Anne Dowd. Yes, who's amazing. Amazing. You get so angry at her because she's not asking any questions, but at the same time, you're like, the guy on the phone is so convincing. convincing. Yep. I mean, that also then, we can relate that back to people in positions of power. Absolutely, knowing exactly what yeah. To do. Yeah, that movie, I remember seeing that movie just being, like, that movie made me angry yeah. and made me really, like, I was really uncomfortable yeah. through a lot of that. And that's sometimes scarier than... Yes, you know, because like the horror, because the descent, you're like, that's not going to happen. No, that's a supernatural horror film yeah. that's full of jump scares and creatures yeah. and, and whatnot. Compliance yeah. could happen. Yes, Scream could happen. Could happen. I yeah. mean, it, technically, it did. So. Well, I'm my second one that I was thinking about, and I not ironically, that's the wrong word, but like weirdly enough, with the events that are happening with this person at the moment, another movie that really unsettles me is we need to talk about Kevin. Oh, with Ezra Miller, which obviously at the moment is an incredibly touchy subject. With what yeah, they we're are. not we're not gonna delve into Ezra and I, Miller, and I'll be completely fair in a completely ignorant way. I don't know a lot about the situation. I've it's, seen headlines. I've it's apparently it's quite fucked it's up, pretty fucked up. So, it's, but then it's 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 actually it's really it's just really worrying. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. more than any like it's actually like you can say yeah, oh, it's fucked up for the like, safety it's of con- it's concerned for everyone. It's, yeah, involved. it's concerned for the safety of the the child that is involved yeah. but it's also concerned for the safety of Ezra Miller's just state mental, of mind just well-being just in, like, in general it's, yeah. yeah it's terrifying but yeah um, and but then yeah obviously we need to talk about Kevin which is Jesus fuck. yeah is so dour and disturbing and feels very real yeah uh, for, and for those who don't know it's ultimately shown in non-linear order a the mother's ultimately a mother's inability to connect with her son mm which leads to incredible mental health problems, which leads to a school massacre. Mm. Uh, and I just remember watching that movie and being just so terrified at the fact that, like, it felt so real. Yeah. And it's like, a, it's a different kind of horror. It's, and it's, it's not a, a scary movie yeah. in a different way. And it's not like, it's not a... <laughs> the films that we just recommended, they're not pleasant in any oh, way. Oh, fuck no. But, but they're really but well I, made. Yeah, we just... I implore you to watch things like these might not be movies that you are, that are on your radar in any way, shape or no. form, but, and yeah, you won't enjoy them. You won't enjoy them. So maybe put on, have a, have a comedy lined up, ready have, to go have straight some, after. have some YouTube clips of <laughs> puppies and shit lined up or the monthly movie marathon. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they're incredible. They're well incredible films. Incredibly well yeah. Uh, well, speaking about movies that are necessarily not enjoyable but incredible, what's a movie, Pete, that makes you cry the most? A movie that makes me cry the most. Um, okay, so I'll break this down to three three particular films. Okay, the first film I remember crying in the cinema, and this will probably seem really fucking stupid, <laughs> is a movie called Up Close and Personal. Okay. So it came out in like 1990, I think it's like 97, 95, 96, 97. Anyway, yep. it's Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer. Of ah, there we go. And it's, it's, it's just a drama about this, um, 
this uh, woman who wants to be a news reporter and she eventually works her way up to being sort of like the face of the news and Robert Redford is like her producer and they sort yep. of start this romantic relationship and yep. I mean, I'm going to spoil it. No, that's fine. But he, he ultimately um, dies. Um, oh. From what I – from what I, I think it's like he's covering like – War, like he's covering sort of like a, oh, a, as a war a, journalist, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you just like you find out he passes away, right? And okay. I just remember in the cinema, just like being affected being, by like, that, being quite affected by that. And I was probably like you know twelve or thirteen when I was right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I remember that. And then my fan, because I saw it with um, I saw it with my cousin. So and then I remember afterwards, like when we met up with like my aunties and stuff, and they were giving me shit because they were like, oh, no, you couldn't, you know, and yeah. it was kind of like fuck you. Um, <laughs> So I remember that. The other movie that makes me, that made me cry, Marley and Me. Yep. I mean, that's fair. That's on a lot of people. I mean, it's, it makes sense. It's, you, it's the, it's the labyrinth, it's, it's it's the the dog movie where they. Adorable dog. That, yeah. And also that movie advertised as a fun dog movie. It's not. No, no. This is in not a general. In any way, I don't movie, think this yeah. movie is a comedy in any sense of the no, word. It's a really it's sort got, of dour relationship it's got drama. Like a few comedic moments. Yeah, for sure. But Jennifer Aniston's dealing with like post um depression. Depression. Uh, depression yeah, so yeah. she's like not here for it. Yeah. Then you've got this dog who's like, you know, tearing up the place. Yep. Then the dog gets old yep. and like can't walk and you're like oh for fuck's sake yeah I know then the dog passes away and, and I just remember her saying and I remember her saying um, oh, she calls it oh, she calls the dog something like rescue um, not rescue puppy she calls it something and then right. when they're when they're like sort of putting it in the ground she says that name again uh, gone it fucking broke me gone um, the and then the other movie that, um, well, there's a lot of other movies that made me cry, but this <laughs> this is the other one that sort of sticks in my mind is uh, Love Simon. Oh yeah, yeah, I get so that. So obviously that being about a teenager who's dealing with his own sexuality and coming out and is something that I can yep. absolutely respond to. Yeah, and I remember I remember being in the cinema um, and I saw this with my mum and. There's a scene where, he, you know, he's he's out and Jennifer Garner, who plays his mum, basically sits there with him and she says, you can breathe now. Oh, God, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And I remember, like, slightly tearing up and, like, sniffling yeah. to hold it all back and mum being next to me, oh, like, no. yeah. squeezed my hand, oh, which just okay. made me... Like just I gone, broke down. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was like afterwards, you know, she we were sitting in the car, and she, yeah. you know, it was like she just said, "I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine what it was like for you growing up, oh. you know." And she was like, "I hope you knew that you could, that yeah, you were, like you know, and it was all that, all that sort of stuff, which was, which was beautiful, which was yeah. great to sort of have that conversation. But at the same time, I was like, I'm not going to get through any of this because I'm just crying. No, no, but it was sort of really great for her to just be like, I hope, I like, I hope you didn't suffer yeah. being in silence for so many years. Yeah. Like, I hope you didn't have, I hope you weren't bullied. Like, you know, all that. Yeah, sort of stuff. yeah, yeah. Um, so all that, the things a mum would worry yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, that that's probably the oh, last. That's fucking lovely. So that movie was what. So 2017 or 16 or something? Uh, 15? So, yeah, that was probably the last 
movie in cinema that I remember like properly, properly crying, crying yeah. to. Yeah. Because same thing, like I tear up in a couple of movies here and there, but it's yeah. been a while since I've properly yeah. cried yeah. in a film. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's very nice. Um, I, and this is yeah. a- Try and follow that, Nick. <laughs> well, this was this is what sucks. Like, I'm not a macho man in any way. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> but I find it incredibly hard to cry. Okay. And it's yeah. not it's not for lack of trying. It's not for lack of having, like, traumatic events not happen oh, yeah. to me. He's got, he's got tweezers, like, squeezing his penis trying to oh, cry. 100%. Right, I'm right like, now. Just a tear. Right now. I just want one fucking tear. <laughs> um, and I find it really, really hard to cry. But I do get my... And I'm not a sociopath. <laughs> I get the most emotional in film. Like, like oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. it provokes the most emotion out of me more so than in real life. Right. That doesn't mean I don't love anyone. That doesn't mean I don't feel <laughs> happiness or sadness. I just get more affected by movies in real life. Yeah. Okay. So in saying that, most recently, I did feel a one tear actually fall down my eye in Cha-Cha Real Smooth. I wow. won't spoil it because it's literally yeah. only just come out. Yeah. Um, but oh, go the, see that movie, the ending of the film in the car. Yeah. I was just like, and cause I, I've never been through that situation, but it felt so real and authentic. I was like, Oh my God. Like, and yeah. that acting was so great. So I had a tear fall down my eye. The last movie I actually cried, cried in yep. was when I saw warrior for the first time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. Tom Hardy, Nick Nolte, Joel Edgerton. It's a, <laughs> The last movie I'm you wonder- expect to cry I'm just trying in. to think. I'm wondering if it's the scene that I'm thinking of. Two scenes I cried in. Okay. Two scenes that I genuinely had, like, <laughs> like yeah, moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was with my best mate at the time, and we both... So, the story I always tell when I tell people about this is that we were on exam block, because I was in, like, grade 12 or 11 when I was I came out. Oh, you didn't have to go to school if you didn't have exams? Yeah, yeah. We'd, oh. we'd actually finished, and we didn't have anything to do, so yeah. we went to we went to Carindale, like, a couple of mole rats. Yeah. And went to the movies and we're like, oh, that's the UFC movie we've been wanting to see. It's yeah. on now. Let's go watch it. And we were like, literally walking and going like, this is going to be the fucking yeah. best man. It's going to be UFC Unprepared movie. I'm that this is actually, as much as it's a UFC movie, it's a- It's a family it's drama. It's a family drama. The two scenes, and it's been out long enough, so I'll spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them. Nick Nolte, who's the father, of, the estranged father of the two estranged brothers, yep. uh, has his relapse. Yep. I yeah, uh, and he, he it's after it comes after a scene where Tom Hol- Tom Tom Holland Tom Hardy uh, finds him in a casino. He's like, you know, I love you, son, and he's like, you were never fucking there for me. Fuck off, all that stuff. And then Tom Hardy walks in the next day, and he's listening to Moby Dick, and he's drunk, and he's screaming and shouting. And then Tom Hardy holds him on the bed, and I lost it. I yeah. was just fucking tears Nick, in my Nick eyes. Nick Nolte, like, oh, Nick Nolte when he like breaks down, it's. It's so it's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, I just got chills like down my it's, spine. It's like it's like like it's yeah. real. Like it's, it's very real. real. Yeah, I, I remember reading that was the first take they used, and after that, like everyone was silent for about ten seconds after yeah. they called cut, and then there was not a person in the room who wasn't clapping and crying. Yeah. So fantastic. Scene. Oh, that something like that would be so amazing to oh, to be to, there to, to watch. I know. Yeah. All right. And then the the, fi- the finale of the film, which oh, yeah. again, spoilers, is that in this UFC tournament, the two brothers have to fight each other uh, in leading up to the event. They've obviously still been estranged. They don't hate each other, but they don't get along necessarily. Yeah. And um, Joel Edgerton gets Tom Hardy in an armbar. Tom Hardy doesn't want to give up. He needs to prove to himself and to everyone else that he, he is a man. Yeah. Uh, and Joel Edgerton snaps his shoulder. And it is... 
like I start crying then because because he's like obviously snap the show he's still holding him and he's like it's okay Tommy it's okay Tommy yeah. I love you I love you Right, like even right now I'm like oh fuck I love yeah. this movie so much yeah um but that was the scene that just it sent me and then they walk yeah. out together the song's amazing fucking brilliant movie yeah god that movie's great yeah um I do tear up in a lot of movies but that was the last one that I properly and on rewatches I also cry yeah in those moments the other one that um. No, I lie. Sorry, it wasn't the last one. There was one in between that with one scene that made me cry. Yeah. The end of Coco when he sings with his grandmother. Oh, sh- yeah, actually. Yeah. It just came into my head. Yep. Remember um, me. I'm actually, I I feel like I. I was there with Rhiannon and my and Sophie and all three of us just fucking tears. Yeah, in our actually, eyes. Yeah. from I think from memory. Beautiful. I feel like I film. was the same. Beautiful ending. Yeah. Oh, God. <sighs> well, yeah. <laughs> let's transition because if there's one thing, <laughs> this I'm, is going to be the. I, I really want to hear this transition. This transition is going to be great because some of the questions. Because some of us, because some of us cry when we come, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and coming is horny. Let's talk about sexy movie moments. For a minute there, I thought, you know what? You know what? You know what? Tears are good for. Lube. Lube. That would have been fucking great too. All right, we'll, we'll have both. You, you can choose which one you like, listener. Either you cry when you come or you can use tears. Yeah. Fucking tears of a sad clown make me happy. We've got a couple of sexy questions. And the first one is actually a listener question. Sexy question. Who, who prefaced by saying, you guys wanted weird. Let's get weird. What movie moment makes you the most horny? Fuck. Okay. Um, okay. Is this different from? So is this different from this like is, things we shouldn't? Yeah. This okay. is different. This is what okay. just genuinely, this is actually, genuinely what sexy. movie moment is sexy? What's horny? What what gets you going? <sighs> this is a tough one for me. This is a tough one because I don't I don't know if there's necessarily been there's been movie moments where I'm like, oh yeah, this is intentionally sexy. Mm. This is intentionally hot. Mm. For me, in general, I think The Handmaiden is one of oh, the right. sexiest movies ever made. But at the same time, I don't think I'm supposed to be turned on by a lot of it. Yeah, okay. Um, so I've kind of gone for a two for there. Right. Because I remember watching The Handmaiden and in the scenario that I was in, I was watching it. This is very open. This is going to go out to everyone, <laughs> I just realised. I was watching it with Rhiannon, but also her best friend. Right. And obviously the movie is about... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was obvious, Obviously the movie is about a somewhat love triangle to an extent. It's more of a sex triangle, I guess. Yeah. And we're sitting there watching it. And, you know, I'm obviously not a guy who's going to make things awkward because I was like, it's art. I get yeah, it. But yeah. at the same time, I'm sitting there and the scenario of like watching this guy who is supposed to be fucking this one chick who's also fucking the chick there and she's mm. a sex slave to the other guy. And I'm just sitting there going, I'm like... I'm not necessarily not turned on by this, mm. but this is just a situation where I'm like, I ca- I have to restrain any sort of like, I can't make like a, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can't sit there <laughs> just on the situation. That I, I can't oh. make any reaction. I literally was probably like sitting there with like sweat dripping down yeah. my head. And I was like, I can't let them know that this is hot right now. Yeah. And you're not probably thinking the exact same thing yeah, or they're probably yeah. in some way, shape or form I, turned on by the film. Now, anytime, anytime I go to a movie with Nick, if I hear the, oh, I'll be like, oh, oh. I was like, I'll be like, move oh. one seat over. I'll be like, oh, let me start crying and help you out. <laughs> Why is the popcorn over his dick? That's weird. Um, I think he wants me to grab something. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in the sense of like, I like I was really trying 
so hard to not be turned on in that moment. Yeah. But that film has moments and scenes that mm. are undeniably incredibly sexy. Yeah. But I feel like the story as well is supposed to challenge you in that regard. I mean, yeah. like, you're, you're finding this sexy. I don't know if you're supposed to. Yeah. So okay. that was that was more of a movie and, and life situation at the time as yeah. well. So obviously utmost respect to Rhiannon and her friend as well. But cinema, man. Yeah. <laughs> Does shit to you. Um. So if this is different from things that... It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah, I have an answer I, I, for that I one. love yeah. I um, for that next one. And I, I love actually, it. I watched that movie the other night. Just um, to make sure. Um, so, <laughs> one, f- one moment that I... It's like, I don't think I'm necessarily... I wouldn't say I'm necessarily turned on by it, but I believe it is one of the sexiest moments on right. the screen and yep. it has nothing to do with sex. Yep. And people are probably going to be like, fucking, you're a broken record mentioning her again. But you know what? I'm going to fucking do it. <laughs> yep. Because Michelle Pfeiffer yep. singing Making Whoopi oh, in yeah. a red dress on top of a piano with Jeff Bridges playing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, no, that makes sense. That is, that is a incredibly sexy scene. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like... A ja- like it's just, it's a jazz song, so it's already got that little. Like, it's got that you know, smoothness. And to as it. much yeah, as yeah. as much as it's a it's in the movie, she's a she's a night she's a lounge singer. Yep. Um, and it's kind of gotten to the point where she's now like so initially it was Fabulous Baker Boys is yep. the film. Yeah. It was all about Jeff Bridges and Bo Bridges are the Fabulous Baker Boys. They're piano players and they need an act for their for their show yep. for the show. And Michelle Pfeiffer comes in. Um, she's a she's a call girl. She sings. Eventually, it becomes like Susie Diamond and the Fabulous Baker Boys because yep. she just blows everybody away. Yep. Not in that regard. Sorry, <laughs> um, but in our regard, yeah, yeah. But so it's just her singing um, this song, making Whoopi, which is essentially saying yep. making having yep. the sex. Yeah, yeah. And as, even though it's for an, an entire audience, yeah. you feel that it's just her and Jeff Bridges together. Right. He's playing the piano. She's walking all over it. She's lying all over it. She looks directly at him. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so sexy. And it's like, the song is sexy. Yeah. And like, Michelle Pfeiffer's voice, like, she's got a, she's got like this sort of very soft, like wispy voice, which yeah. works for... The character, which works for like the intimacy of this, I think it's just mm. a very intimate moment, moment between, between them. the two. And I yeah, think yeah. it's just it's there it is, is. A, there's a sexual. It's like yeah, because yeah, at that point it. they haven't like you know it's like there's so much unsaid. Right. Yeah. Um. I just th- yeah, which is I, great when you can pull that off in a film. Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. it it truly is incredibly incredibly sexy. Mm. Um. But another and then apart from that, a scene that actually I would say like. Turned me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is so okay. This is going to sound weird. No, but, but one of the actors that I would say was part of my sexual awakening, right? Yeah, yeah my yeah. homosexual awakening <laughs> yeah. is one Mister Jean Claude Van Damme. Ooh, wow. Okay, yes. Elaborate, please. You know, everybody has their arnies and their slides. I was all about the muscles from Brussels. Yeah, right, and. Something that he tends to do in a lot of his films yeah. is get naked. He does, yeah. Because he has... He's got a ripping bod. He's got an incredible backside. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got a fucking peach of an Would ass. Would you be right like there. top 
three, top two favorite. It, it'd be it'd be up there in the favorites. Yeah, it's yeah, a right. it's a fucking great. Okay, and um, there's so two of his movies. One Universal Soldier. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Where he literally is butt naked, butt naked and yeah. he just walks out and he's dripping in sweat. Yeah. And yeah, a classic night. It's fashion. just like. It's so sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one, he did a movie called Time Cop. <laughs> oh, my God. I know exactly. And so initially there's a sex right scene between yeah. him and his wife, and it's, yeah, quite yeah. A, it's quite a lovely little sex yeah, scene. Nice he's like, he's like, he fucking sticks the tongue in for a kiss. It's really, it's hot. really hot. Yeah, yeah. But then later on, yep, yeah, when yeah. he's in a tiny little pair of grey boxer shorts and he's in an action sequence... Yeah. And someone shoots at him, yep. and the only thing he can do is literally jump up, do the splits, so yeah. that his legs are on top of like a kitchen counter. Yeah, yeah. And he's just there, yeah, in nothing but like little shorts, shorts. and like he just there's like a nice there's little, a little there's a little testicle drop. Oh, is oh no! Like it doesn't pop out. Oh, but right. Like but there's, there's the there's, swing. There's, yeah. It's like the scene in Juno where they're watching all the yeah. guys run. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's the outline of the cock and balls. Right, that turn like that turns me on. In adding this into <laughs> another question we have, I'm would that so, be the? F- I'm so ashamed. <laughs> Trust me, don't be. Uh, would you say that was the first actor you remember being turned on by? This is another question that um, him and ah uh, fuck him yeah <laughs> and because so I was like ten, I was fucking ten years old. Right, yeah, yeah, but I mean that's and there was there was starting the journey. Yeah. So Jean Claude Van Damme, absolutely, yeah, and a little show known as Lois and Clark, yeah. I know people have their opinions of Dean Cain now, yeah, yeah. Let's but just hey, remove people that. People change, but hey, Dean Cain <laughs> in the day in yeah. 1994 yep. in Lois and Clark, right, yeah. That is a sexy, sexy man. It's a sexy like, Dean Cain. Nipples were tiny. His arms were huge. The, the perfect ratio he for was just, Pete. Yeah. Um, so I remember Van Damme and Dean Cain. I remember those wow. two being like, yeah, okay, yeah, like yeah. you know, because I was like, I didn't have, I didn't have my Dwayne Johnsons there yeah. back then. I didn't have no, my, I didn't have Momos. my Momos. Um, so those were the two actors right. that I remember being like formative and me being like, you're yeah. a, you're a homo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, because yeah. for me, the first actress I remember... <laughs> like the first actress. <laughs> the first actress I remember being turned on by, yeah. or at least, like, really attracted to, yeah. was Kate Mara in Shooter. Wow. Yeah. I keep forgetting you're, like, this whole... I know, right? Generate. Like, yeah, not generation yeah, behind, I'm like, but... Oh, who's it got to be from the 90s? I'm like, yeah, yeah uh, I'm like, 2000s. No, yeah, I was five years old. Um, no, yeah, okay. Kate Mara, like, yeah. I, there was definitely, obviously, things beforehand where I, like... I would have been like, oh, she's hot. And she's attractive. Like, I cracked a little bit of a chub, but not yeah, enough. But not, not what I did to <laughs> not like Mara and Shooter. Mara. Talk about Shooter. And I remember, and I guess this is the, I guess in a sense, this is probably like a scene that wasn't necessarily designed to turn me on, but I remember being what, that was like 2006 or seven. I was like 12, 13, maybe. Yeah, yeah, 2000, yeah. 2006, something, something around yeah. that. Um, and there's just a scene where she is wearing a white top with a bathrobe and she just turns around and it's the most slight amount of see-through the most right, like, okay. and not, it's not intentional. It wasn't like one of those things like we're designing this to be a sexy moment. She literally turns around when Mark Wahlberg breaks into a house. And I remember as a fucking cunning 12 year old being like, 
that's Nip. <laughs> I, and for me, that was like a real formative moment because even so, when I watched when I watched Zoom, do you remember Zoom with Tim oh, Allen and Courtney Cox? Courtney Cox, yeah. The child superhero is like that they were trying to do Sky High, but it yeah, was way worse. Was, yeah, Kate yeah. Mara's in that, and I remember watching that and being like, "Wow, I really love Kate Mara." And then yeah, obviously okay. seeing her in Shooter, I was like, "Wow." I she was the actress I really first remember, and it wasn't just because it was her. I saw her nip. It wow. was just her. it was her demeanor, yeah. and like you know, I mean, I guess probably I probably had a thing for redheads too. I'm guessing because yeah. when I look down the trajectory of like women I've been attracted to, there's like definitely a common denominator of redheads and like, like yeah, like I look at I look at Van Damme and Dean Cain and go clearly I w- I'm like clearly it's like just oh god mu- yeah it's just muscle Mus- muscular like sharp big, jaw, yeah dark just hair big yeah. man. But then on the opposite side of that, right. the, another I just remember you another actor that I remember being quite attracted to. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um Matt LeBlanc in Friends. Oh yeah. I but like yeah, yeah. obviously all throughout it I was like, I'm here for like I'm here for the big chunky daddy vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But early on, I was like, when he was like see like season one. Right. When he's just like this like Italian I mean, he's always been Italian. <laughs> yeah, just like when he one. was Italian. Just when he was uh, one season But like, of he was just like, he's, cause he's so young in yeah. the first season of Friends. Yeah, yeah. And he's just got that, he was like a himbo. Like, there's not much going to him. I know what you mean. But like, yeah, he just, yeah. and I, but then he's not, like, he's not the, like, he's not a muscular man. No, not at all. But I just, there was just something about him that yeah. I think, I think it's just, I think it's that. Like sort of, I know what dom- you mean. Like the yeah. dominant sort of, yeah. Because I'm a little bitch, a little, so. like, not like a man's man, but like an authoritative oh, he, yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. What like you he mean. could say, any, dominant, he'd yeah. say anything to me, and I'd be like, "Yep, old." Yeah, we go. Yep. Let's wrap oh, up. I, Let's yep. wrap up the sex, the sexy segment, the sexy segment. Because you you haven't answered this question yet. In what was the scene that turns you on that shouldn't? And I know for a fact you have a good answer for this. Yeah. So. And I've seen this movie multiple times this year because it's only came out this year. Um, and if you, yeah, so if you went back to the one of the first podcasts we did this year, we talked yep. about Scream. Yes. And if you know me and follow me, you would know that Scream 5, Scream yep. 2022, I saw six times in the cinemas. Yep. Um, I own it on 4K. Mm-hmm. Um, I have watched it a few times since yeah, buying it. Yeah, yeah. And I watched it just the other night because I'm getting excited with Scream 6 news yep. coming out. I spoke, I spoke to the lovely Jack Quaid Recently, in, in, yeah. person. in person for the boys. Um, yep. And that made me sort of go, fuck, I love the new Scream. Yeah. And that's not a movie that really has a lot of no, sexy scenes. No, there's no it? real sexy scenes at all. But <laughs> wouldn't you know it? What turns you on, Pete? This is a spoiler as well. If yeah, you haven't seen yeah. it, too bad. Skip like two minutes ahead. Um, towards the end of this film, when we realise that Jack Quaid has announced himself as one of the killers, yep. and Melissa Barrera, who is um, potentially, she's almost going to die at this point, yep. um, he has pinned her down, turns her around, she has a knife in her hand, and she basically says, I'm introducing a new rule, don't fuck with the daughter of a serial killer. Yep. And then she stabs him. Right through the mouth. Yeah. Brutal. That, that in itself was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, Melissa Barrera, yeah. But then she decides to, well, I mean, essentially she straddles him yep. and stabs him like 17 times. Yeah, it's, it's brutal, yeah. I was so, so turned on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By her just 
Not the murder. Not the murder. Just the fact that she was just the like power the power the of it. Yeah. And she's just continuing. She's, she's, like, she's yeah, just yeah. and she just keeps stabbing him. Yeah. And then the just the fucking cherry on top. Yeah. So after he's lying there and he's like barely awake, barely awake, barely yeah. alive, barely alive, bleeding out. <laughs> he's probably not awake. You know, too. she yeah. like slices his throat to be like, you know, to, to finish Make sure. it off. Yeah. And then she holds the knife and wipes the blood off the knife with like her bare hand. Yeah. And it's so fucking sexy. Yeah, I would ag- I would agree with you in the sense like I think Melissa Barrera is incredibly oh, attractive. Melissa Barrera, like I think she is stunning. She's very very attractive. And her drenched in blood. It's but I know what you mean. It's and it probably comes back to that sort of dominant yeah attraction that you have. Yeah, yeah. In the sense of, like that's that's literally her like taking control and taking yeah. the power and then. Topping it off with the badass moment. It's kind of like that thing. Like if you were in the film yeah. and you were a character watching that, it would be like the oh moment. Like, like oh, holy, this is shit. fucking sex. So I think I understand. It's not supposed to turn you on. It's not supposed to turn but me I on. I get it, and it does. And it's not like it turns me on in a way of like I'm gonna be like the movie. I'm gonna be like jacking to it. <laughs> yes, you know, this isn't this isn't just like oh like I this is like Jean Claude Van Damme's ass to me. <laughs> it, but it's just like there's just this gleeful. Reaction, yeah, and I just sure. think, and I just, I, it is. It's the power. It's the fact that yeah. she's just sort of taken control back, and the the like the wiping, of, and the, just the the imagery of her wiping, and yeah. she's just got the, like it's yeah, it's hot, it's hot, it's fucking, it's hot. actually hot. Melissa Barrera, you're fucking stunning, yeah, beautiful person. Spoke to her for Scream as well, yeah, loveliest girl. Um, I'm super excited for everything that's going to happen in Scream Six, yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene should massive have, turn on, but massive turn. on. Yeah. We've got a couple more questions to go. And for the sake of time, because we've got a very important screening oh, to get super to. important minions, the rise of Gru. <laughs> uh, we're going to rapid fire the last few. If yep. that's all good. Uh, what's a movie you love that people hate? Love that people hate. Um, I love, um, Crossroads. Oh, with Britney Spears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that gets so much more hate than it deserves purely because it was a Britney Spears movie. That's fair. That, if she wasn't in that and that just got released and it was just a bunch of teenage girls doing what they need to do, they to do yeah. I don't think that movie would have gotten the hate. Would have gotten the hate. Um, deserves, also, yeah. not a flop. People say it's a flop. It's oh. not. Yeah, okay. It cost like, I think, $10 million and it made like 40 Oh. It was a success. Okay. So, Interesting. I won't have any of this shit slander. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, genu- like, I genuinely think it's a Fun, a fun movie. easy movie. Yeah, right. yeah. What about you? Mine would be Bad Boys Two. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think. It oh, is, yeah, I that think got really. That it got, got really shit re- on yeah. by critics, uh, and a lot of people talk about it. But I fucking love Bad Boys yeah. Two. Yeah. You like Bad Boys Two? What's a movie you hate that people love? Um, <sighs> it's a hard one, isn't it? Um, honestly, I uh, I don't like Zoolander. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, just not fan of the humor. Like, but the thing is, though, like, there are so many movies like that that I like. I like yeah. that stupid humor. I remember you saying you don't like Ben Stiller. I don't like as Ben well. Stiller as yeah. well, but I can still see Ben Stiller movies and like them. Yeah. Tropic yeah. Thunder, for one. Yeah, that's fair. There's something about Mary, you know? Um, I, yeah, I just, it just. Yeah, and then the sequel made it so much worse. Yeah, um, yeah. The no, the sequel is not good. Yeah, but yeah, I just there's just something about it that I'm just like I. 
Yeah, and I know that everyone loves it and yeah. quotes it all the time. <laughs> um, and I've probably used that House of Ants thing as well. What but is this, House of Ants? Um, yeah, it's just not one that I I gel with. Yeah. I don't I don't <laughs> sorry Zoolander fans. Sorry fucking Ben Stiller. <laughs> I don't I don't have one off the top of my head, but the most I mean based on a recency bias, mm-hmm. I no way shape or form liked Elvis. Right. Okay. Yeah, no way shape like the the one redeeming factor of that movie to me it's was Austin, Austin Butler. Butler. Yeah. Uh didn't like anything else about that movie, but I think as it comes out it's going to get more love. I just have a funny feeling yep. that it, it's not out in the public I no, yet, yeah. But I'm seeing way more positive reactions yeah. now that it's doing sort of festival circuits and premieres. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, I, I can't, I just don't like it. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, what movie, what was one of the sh- most shocking film moments for you? Maybe it was a twist. Maybe it was just something that actually happened. Oh, okay. Shocking film moments is, um, okay. I remember seeing Mother. Oh, yep, yeah, yeah. And I saw that screening, like, it had... I pretty much saw it when it was, like, simultaneously screening at Venice. Right, So okay. there was no... No one had heard no anything one about heard of film. anything. Yep. And I remember watching that going... Because I obviously had no idea what that movie was going to oh, be Oh, God, like. no. Um, no, no, no. And I just remember being incredibly shocked at the sequence towards the end regarding the baby. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, that just... Yeah, I think it was more that that film had sort of like escalated so much at that point. Right. But when the, when it all happened with you, the baby, I was like, Oh, oh you actually like, you actually went, doing this. You actually went there. You actually yeah. like killed a baby. Yeah. Um, that was quite shocking. There are other, yeah, that's probably, that's the first one that came to mind. I've yep. just started thinking of a lot of Way other more. scenes that shocked me. Um, irreversible being one of them. That was, I was um, going to say that's just but, popped into my head. Yeah. yeah uh, but Multiple yeah, but just because that was the first one that came to my mind. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think, well, actually you've triggered another one in my mind, the Nightingale. Oh I yeah. yeah. The baby death and that is incredible. Yeah. Like, baby death in general is shocking. Oh, it's shocking. But, like but in Nightingale, in an already like mother, an already brutal scene. Oh yeah. By the time the baby dies in the Nightingale, we've already sat through like three rape scenes. Yeah. So it's yeah. not, it's not an easy film to watch, but God, then no. of course, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, the cherry on top of that scene yeah. in the most fucked up way is uh, the baby death as well. One that's comically shocking was when the journalist dies in Hot Fuzz, when the church steeple falls on his head. Oh, yeah. Like, it's funny, but it yeah. just, it's just that enti- entirely that shocking. Also going off that, um, one of the things that kind of is another shocking moment quite comedically is, um, spoiler, yeah. Brad Pitt getting shot in Burn After Reading. Oh, God, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that was... Because he was yeah. kind of plastered all over that movie. Right. And you don't think you're going to kill Brad Pitt. No, 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 the star of your film. And then, yeah, bam. And then do that, yeah. So that's great great fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And another recency biased one is the ending of Men. Right, okay. One of the most shocking and disturbing things I think I've seen in a long time. In a long fucking time. (laughs) A long time. Two more to go. What's the movie you've watched the most? (sighs) I don't want to say, I don't want to say, Scream or Batman Returns because that would just It'd be boring. Be, um, so I know what it is. <laughs> um, they would be up there. I think collective. I think there is. There's like five movies that I think I would have seen the most over my whole lifetime. Yep. Yep. Scream, Batman Returns, Clueless. Yep. Death Becomes Her. Oh yeah, nice. And maybe that's it. Yep. That's probably it. Mine. I mean, would they're all be... ni- they're all nineties. They're all nineties movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, MacGruber is one <laughs> yeah. for me. I yeah, fucking yeah. love MacGruber. 
Um, what else? I've seen The Room a lot. Tommy yeah. Wiseau's The Room. In fairness, I used to host screenings of them as well. Yeah. But I've also just, just been that guy who shows watched. everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And probably, well, probably my favorite movie of all time, The Departed. Right. I've seen The Departed a lot. Yeah. Which is also the answer to the final question. We should we end on a nice note. What yeah. movie means the most to you? And mine is The Departed. Right. It's the first movie I watched uh, that I really felt like I was watching something that was cinematic. Yeah. I was sort of understanding that there was like how the narrative was, you know, weaving in and out of its own story, that Martin Scorsese is very particular the way he shoots things, the yeah. acting. It was just something I paid so much attention to on my first watch that I went, oh my God, I love movies. I was obsessed with going to the video store as a kid. But that was the first time, like, 2008, renting it from the video store, watching it and being like, holy fuck, I love movies. So that movie generally means the most to me. Yeah. Well, mine, I mean, sorry, but mine will be be the movie that means the most to me probably is Batman Returns. Yeah. Because it's the movie that I remember seeing the first. Yeah. And it just opened up this love that I have for... Well, who I think is the greatest living actress of all time. <laughs> oh, Michelle uh, Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, Bless. Yeah. That, yeah, that performance just, it really just changed the yeah. way you the see. The way that I see, yeah. Because yeah. um, it really, like, I mean, it's weird for a seven-year-old kid to see that movie and the takeaway be, I need to know everything about Michelle Pfeiffer and then yeah. go and watch Fabulous Baker Boys and Love Field and yeah. The Age of Innocence yeah. and all these movies that you're like, you're a kid. Yeah. Why are you watching it's funny you say The that. Russia House with Sean Connery? It's it, weird. It's funny you say that. Yeah. When I, I remember in school, we were sitting down at the like at somewhere at lunch in high school and yeah. someone like almost challenged me and she went, Why do you think you love movies more than everyone else? We watch movies. And I went, That's a that's actually a fantastic a question. question. It's a great fucking question. But my response at the time was like, I genuinely feel like I watch movies different to other people. And that's not like a flex. That's not me going like, I'm a critic and I'm very pretentious. No, I'm, I, un- I understand that mentality. I don't turn a movie on all the time to just have something on to be like, watch a few scenes here and there and be on my phone. Like f- movies for me are genuine escapism. Yeah. Not that I'm running from anything in my life, yeah. but I love stories so much and I love interactions. I love conversations. I love great cinematography and I really pay attention to a lot of those things. Yeah, I've never just put on a movie to have in the background. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, if I put something on... There's an intention to yeah, watch. like... Um, an intention to digest it and deconstruct it if need be. But, like... And obviously, there's still movies I watch that are just for pure entertainment. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I can... Like, I put that movie on... If I am in trying to put it in the background to have something on, never works because it's one of the funniest fucking movies ever made. <laughs> so, yeah, in that regard, I think... And I, I think a lot of people probably listening to this can relate to it in the sense of movies are always going to be there for everyone and they're going to be made always usually for general audiences. Yeah. But filmmakers usually have their way of sliding in things that for the people who are really paying attention, noticing will be there and, and you, you should appreciate that in every way, shape or form. I think there's a trend lately, especially on social media, uh, where you either fucking love a movie or you fucking hate a yeah, movie. Yeah, there's no in-between and it's there's like, no why in-between. the fuck not? I did not like Jurassic World Dominion. No. But I sat there and there were moments where I was like, this is really fucking entertaining. I'm the same. Really I mean, we, we saw this movie together and we yes. pretty much had the same reaction of like, this is not a good Jurassic no, Park movie, no. not a good Jurassic being World being critical movie. of it, it, yeah. it was not good. But but I got to sit there and watch a world in which dinosaurs roamed, roam the earth while humans do. 
and it was kind of kind of great. There was elements of that were really great. But my goal in life, especially as a critic or a reviewer or whatever the fuck you want to call me, mm-hmm. is not to go, Colin Trevorrow is the worst director that's ever been made. Yeah. Because I know even if even if by the time it gets to this third movie and he's kind of like, look, we're kind of done with this trilogy, let's wrap it up. At least you know there's some something in him that's like, I want to make this. Because also, you can't say he's a, the worst director when no. he's made... Great movies. Great movies. Like... And Safety Not Guaranteed is fucking amazing. great. Jurassic World, fucking great. So, like, I'm yeah, maybe the the last few things he's directed aren't great. Yeah, but you can't say he's the worst yeah. direct. Like, no people that people that throw out things like this is the worst film I've ever seen. I'm yeah. like, fucking go watch more things. Go watch more things. But also at the same time, I I I'm like stop I, being so dramatic. Stop Jesus. being so yeah. <laughs> stop being so honestly yeah. Stop being so dramatic. But also in the sense of like we. It's a, such a privilege to have films as oh, entertainment. Absolutely. And you cannot like something. That's okay. But just realize that out there, that's someone's favorite movie. That's the thing. Yeah. We, yeah, we need to realize like if you don't like Not something, that's you. fine. And if you voice your opinion, that's fine. 100%. But if someone's like, oh, I actually like this, you don't have to say, no. No, you're, you're a wrong. Piece, you're wrong. You're a piece of a shit. shit because movie. if this is why it's bad, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Cool, but man. I tend to like it. Yeah. So how about I don't I'm not giving you shit for not liking it. Yeah. So don't give me shit for liking yeah. it. Yeah. Like exactly. I think that's what the annoying thing is. And and that's what I think a lot of people also immediately lump critics in. Oh with God, as like, yeah. God, yeah. Oh, critics liked it and it means that everyone will hate it. Everyone will and hate because it. the an audience liked it, all the critics will be like, Okay. Yeah. And unfortunately you look at like Jurassic World Dominion and go, yeah, yeah clearly <laughs> critics didn't like it as much as audiences. Yeah. But that's fine. That's okay. But let's also remember critics, we are audiences as well. 100%. Yeah. We got into this industry because we love going movies. to the movies. I love watching movies. I if love being I wasn't a critic. Yeah. My reaction to Jurassic World is the exact same. Exactly. I I did not like it. I think you I and I are the elements same. Elements of it. You and I, you and I are the same in that. Is that we're not to blow our own horn, but we're good at what we do. Yeah. In that regard, like to an extent, and but at the same time, we go to these screenings to hopefully enjoy a movie. I know, like even today, we're going to watch the Minions: The Rise of Gru. There is no bone in me that's like dying to see Minions. No. But fuck, if I'm entertained for eighty minutes. I mean, like, it's probably going to get a generally positive review yeah. from me. And I also think, especially uh, in the current social media climate, it almost seems like you are cool to be shitting on movies, to put out lots of worse lists, to put out lots of, I fucking hate this movie yeah. and everyone who likes it is trash. We need more positivity. Yeah. You can be critical, but you can also bring a little bit of positivity into the world. Yeah. Uh, and talk about the shit that turns you on. Yeah. Everyone loves that. Because, yeah. Um, also- Welcome just, to our TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> just quickly. Yes. I know that we've just spoken about, you know, of our love of movies and not to be overly critical, but <laughs> is, yes. is there a movie Ooh. that you have either walked out of or yep. turned off? Yeah. Um, yes. I walked out of All Eyes on Me. The Tupac, oh, the Tupac Shakur, Tupac Shakur movie. Right. Because I loved Straight Out of Compton. Yeah. And I was willing to give All Eyes on Me a chance. Yeah. But, and I actually, I took Rhiannon to sit. We went and saw it together because we both liked Straight Out of Compton. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it was one that I was just like, it to me, it was adding no value to the life of Tupac. Yeah. In that sense. I don't think it was, I don't think it was necessarily well made. I don't think it was well written. Uh, and it was way too long. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's sort of the same critiques I have of Elvis. Elvis, yeah. In the sense of like, I think the movie's way too long and it doesn't give enough substance for me to actually care about Elvis. I know he's a real life person mm. and in real life, I think his story is full of great ups and downs, yeah. but the movie didn't for me do a great job of showing that. Yeah. However, like I said, Austin Butler's great. The Incredible. music and the cinematography and Baz, the Baz Lermanisms are really enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, but it's just unfortunate. It's a two hour and 40 minute movie of that. However, yeah. Lerman's divisive at the best of times. Mm. And I'm excited for people who are really pumped up for it. I genuinely hope people go and have a great time. Yeah. My goal in life is now not to shit on Elvis and make people not see it. Yeah. Because I think, and I hate campaigns where people are like, we need to stop getting Hollywood to make these movies. And I'm like, well, firstly, they're making them because there is enough reaction from people that it's justifying its existence. Yeah, 13 minutes standing ovation. Exactly. <laughs> so go and see it, form your own opinion. If you didn't like it, that's, that's fine. fine. That's unfortunate. Again, if Sorry you you're not getting that time. And if you don't like it, yeah. don't make people that did like it feel yeah. shit. And like right now, Nick, Nick, you didn't like the movie. Like I probably liked it a little bit more than you. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm not like glowing over no, it. No, no. Because I'm aware I'm that not there, wrong. Are, there, are, wrong. there are a ro- lot wrong. of you're like right. issues with it. Yeah. But I probably enjoyed, enjoyed it more. a little bit more. Yeah. But at the same time, here we are sitting opposite each other. Weird. What the like, fuck? Not... Going at it because I'm like, can you believe that Nick didn't like Elvis? (laughs) Oh my God, you guys. Yeah. Uh, And just remember, someone hates your favorite movie too. Yeah. Oh. Someone downright hates your fucking movie. How would you feel if they just shit on you for Someone's probably listening to this going, can you stop fucking talking Talking about about Batman Batman Returns? Returns. Fuck off. And I'll be like, well, no. It's our podcast. Fuck you. But also, I understand understand people not liking that movie because it's fucking weird. Exactly. Exactly. But I won't have people saying Michelle Pfeiffer's performance isn't good. (laughs) (laughs) Pitchfork and torture. That is one thing. That is one thing I won't hear hear of. Uh, Yeah. What an episode. What an enlightening episode. I know. We found out about our listeners and the shit that they like to ask us, and we found out about each other, which is also, I feel like we all knew a lot of this stuff about each other first, but guess what? The listener there was, there was, I didn't like, there the was Kate, I did not know about the Kate Mara thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, I've grown out of it. <laughs> you know, no, she's still incredibly attractive to me, uh, but she was formative in yeah. that regard. But- Thank you for sending in your questions. Thank you for listening to this non-specific movie-related episode. I hope you all... um, You know what? If you go back out there and watch Time Cop, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, I'll probably end up checking it up tonight after Minions, The Rise of Groove. Set up buns on Mr. Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme's in Minions, The Rise of Groove. He is. As Jean-Claude. Oh. He can cause all the yeah, he can claw, he can cause all the van damage he wants. <laughs> I like that. It's good. Yeah. Be on the watch out for our next episode, uh, dropping in mid July, where we talk about Scott Derrick Scott Derrickson's horror filmography. Because I know the difference between chocolate and shit. Couldn't go with one episode without yeah, it. It's it's the it's how awesome. fucking good. Thanks, Jared Leto. Oh, fucking thanks. It's Morbin time, baby. <laughs> uh, so yes, be on the the watch out for that episode dropping in mid July. Thank you again for all your questions. Thank. I hope the answers were sufficient. I hope we, yeah. Uh, just feel free to use sake of time. <laughs> feel free to use that information against us. Oh if fuck you want. yeah, blackmail. We don't yeah. care. I don't care. I've got nothing. I have nothing <laughs> to hide. Uh, rated rated PDG Twitter and, and Instagram yep. at Nick Flix Fix Twitter Instagram. Instagram. 
subscribe, like the show, rate it five stars. A lot of hand movements for a podcast. For no a podcast, no one can see. Flying around. And we'll see you next time on the Monthly Movie Marathon. <gasps> Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, we peeked out the mics there. <laughs>